United States Institute of Peace, along with Sirius XM's POTUS Channel 124, now present their weekly podcast. Heather Ashby is Senior Program Officer at the Center for uh, Russia and Europe at the U.S. Institute of Peace. Dr. Ashby joined the Institute of Peace after seven years at Homeland Security, where she worked at the intersection of Homeland Security and International Affairs. She also focused on U.S.-Russia relations at DHS. Dr. Ashby, good morning. Good morning. Thank you for having me today. (laughs) Great to have you. Welcome to my dance party. Uh, It's a little early, but, you know, we stayed up all night. Um, Wow, those French elections, huh? That kind of dodged a bullet there with Marine Le Pen. Uh, in a certain way, they did by uh, Macron winning another term. On the other end, she did increase her vote by a couple of million people since the last election in 2017. So it's not too much of a victory for Macron. Although a win is a win, as we say in U.S. politics. I wonder, I wonder how this experience will change his presidency. Like, is he going to be different now having, you know, had this like serious challenge? I think domestically, you may see an increase in focus on issues that are of concern to French people. The reason that one of the reasons Le Pen was able to gain so much traction is her focus on domestic issues, especially Mm. rise in energy prices, jobs, those day-to-day bread and butter issues. I think on the international stage, Macron's going to continue his policy of support for Ukraine, transatlantic unity, uh, for sanctions against Russia, uh, and other coordination with the West. Um, on other subjects, meanwhile, I mean, adjacent Ukraine, um, you had a fascinating piece about what the invasion means for Africa. Uh, yes, and I encourage all to visit USIP website to see that article and another that I wrote with my colleague Jude Muta about Africa. And so what has been interesting is that all this discussion about there's global unity uh, against Russia and support of Ukraine but we need to pull back a little bit and dive deeply into which countries are supporting uh, are supporting Ukraine. And when she revealed that, she realized there are some challenges with some countries either in favor of Russia, either openly or quietly, or countries remaining more neutral to see how the war will play out. And as you write, um, as it so often does with Russia, a lot of it comes down to oil. Uh, definitely. And so one of the things that could happen as a result of the war is Europe looking for other suppliers of gas and oil by turning to African countries, countries in North Africa and West Africa, and working on joint development projects to find other sources for their oil and gas that doesn't rely on Russia. Um, There's also a impending food scarcity. There always is in Africa, but it seems rather grim right now. Uh, Yes, and there are other countries that are encountering a similar challenge with food scarcity. And so Ukraine and Russia are top suppliers for wheat, corn, sunflower, which goes into sunflower oil, vegetable oil. And so that's created a lot of hardship uh, in different parts of the continent. And uh, just go back a couple of years ago, one of the triggers for the Arab Spring in certain countries was Uh, food prices. And so that's something that we're closely monitoring at the U.S. Institute of Peace to see whether the 
rise in fuel prices and food scarcity triggers any type of unrest. A small note, but an interesting one that both the U.S. and um, Africa is experiencing an issue from rising fertilizer costs. Yes, uh, I think that's a subject that doesn't receive a lot of attention when we think about what Russia exports as well as what Ukraine exports and fertilizer is so key to growing crops. And so what we touch on in the article on the USIP website is just a challenge of that reduced fertilizer exports from Russia and how there is a wealthy man in Africa who's looking to build a plant in Nigeria to offset that, even though it would take some time. You can see people addressing, countries addressing how to uh, encounter these shortages and what are alternatives instead of relying on Russia. You also note that um, that vote in the UN uh, 93 UN member countries voted to suspend Russia's membership on the UN Human Rights Council. 20 African countries did not vote. They either abstained or voted no. What's going on there? What's the relationships there to keep an eye on? Uh, I think the relationships to keep an eye on is just Russia's security partnerships with countries also uh, in Africa and then legacy Soviet relationships because certain parties are still in power in Africa and that had ties to the Soviet Russian Soviet government. And so those ties run deep uh, historically. So that's something to pay attention to. The other aspect of that vote, which was interesting, is uh, it showed the reduced number of countries uh, supporting action against Russia in the UN. When the UN General Assembly passed is measure condemning Russia's actions in Ukraine. There were 144 countries, and now for the Human Rights Council vote to, to suspend Russia's membership, it's down to 93. And so that's something to pay attention to: is which countries are voting which way, and which ones are abstaining from voting. Um, you didn't address this in your piece, but I'm I'm curious about it, and I'm, I'm sure you have a, a viewpoint. Um, China has also made such huge investments in Africa. And so we see China and Russia who are, you know, ostensibly in a long-term partnership now. But in Africa, are they competitors? Uh, competitors with Russia? Mm-hmm. China and Russia. Are they competitors uh, in Africa? Little, it's a little bit different because China has so much money to give to African governments for infrastructure uh, building plants, and that's something, manufacturing plants, and that's something that Russia is unable to do mm-hmm. even before the war started because of their financial government constraints. They don't have as large as an economy as the United States or China. So some of uh, that competition is not possible between Russia and China on that avenue. Uh, one area that could be explored more is just security partnerships in terms of selling of arms sales uh, and weapons to African countries and whether China would take advantage of the sanctions against Russia to increase arms sales to African government because Russia was such a large supplier of those weapons. Dr. Heather Ashby is Senior Program Officer for the Center for Russia and Europe at the U.S. Institute of Peace. Dr. Ashby, thank you so much. All right. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Thanks. Me too. This podcast has been brought to you by the United States Institute of Peace and Sirius XM's POTUS, Channel 124.